Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents the conclusion of the series, What If Psalm 91 Was Really True? We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Let me hear you. Yeah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, this is what if Psalm 91 was really true. Part three. Hallelujah. Again, I sound like a game show host when I say that. What if Psalm 91 was really true? Part three. Hallelujah. I'm having a little fun. It's okay to laugh. All right. By way of introduction, most of us Christians who've been walking with the Lord for any length of time at all are familiar with with Psalm 91. And most of us know that it's the passage of Scripture that's most closely associated with divine protection for the believer. And I've said this every session, and I feel like saying it again. The fact that Moses is credited as the author is significant when you consider the fact that Moses lived to the age of 120 And at that age, the Bible says his eyesight was not dim, nor his natural strength abated. I decided to show you that scripture this session, Deuteronomy 34, 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Amen. Hallelujah. Furthermore, at the age of 120, At the instruction of the Lord, Moses climbed Mount Nebo, which is in modern-day Jordan. At the summit, Mount Nebo is 2,330 feet high. How would you like to be given the assignment by the Lord at age 120 to climb a 2,330-foot mountain? The fact that it was able to do it And then look into the promised land across the Dead Sea is a testimony of what believing God for strength and vitality did in his life. So I think it's entirely appropriate that he's the author of Psalm 91. Amen. So once again, let's look at the slide back there. That's the top of Mount Nebo. And that's the top of a 2,330-foot mountain. That's not the mountain itself. That's just the pinnacle. So he climbed up the mountain, he climbed up the pinnacle, and then he looked from east to west across the Dead Sea into the promised land, and this is the view that he had right there. Amen. You can't see that far if you've got problems with your eyesight. Hallelujah. You can't climb that mountain unless you've got strength and vitality. Amen. With all that in mind, before we continue with Psalm 91, I really feel impressed of the Lord to continue my exhortation to you and to the body of Christ in general, those that might be listening by podcast, to embrace the spirit of Caleb, the spirit of Joshua, the spirit of Moses, who lived long, successful, and healthy lives and completely fulfilled the calling of God on their lives. Amen. Don't you want that to be your testimony? I know I do. And this is the amazing thing to me. And they did so without the indwelling spirit of God that we have as born again, spirit filled believers. Amen. So 
if they could do that then, how much more can we do that now? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if you want a scripture to stand on, which you should if you want to be a person of faith, listen up and be filled with faith as you do. Deuteronomy 33, 25. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a blessing that Moses spoke over the tribe of Asher. Now, Asher was the physical seed of Abraham. But the promise belongs to you and me because we belong to Jesus. Galatians 3.29 says, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. So any promise that was passed down through the generations of Abraham belongs to you and me, and we can claim that promise for ourselves. Amen. Now, if that's not a good enough scripture for you, I got one here that I call the catch-all scripture that should pretty much remove all doubt that you can stand on these promises, whether you be a Jew or a Gentile. I want to give a hat tip to Chris for reminding me of this scripture last week, Ephesians 1, 3. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I think I need to say that again. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Amen. That doesn't leave anything out. So in general... And if it applies, I mean, you don't want the one that says you, your womb shall be fruitful if you're a man, right? We don't want that one. So in general, and if it applies to you, any promise or any blessing given to the children of God in the Bible belongs to you and me. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to talk about a legacy of faith. Let's make up our minds that we're going to contend for a new kind of spiritual legacy, a legacy of faith that embraces the spirit of men like Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Let's declare, even in our older years, that we're at least maintaining our strength, and even in some cases, gaining strength as we get older. Let's not be so concerned about our chronological age. Let's be more concerned about our kairos age. Chronological age comes from the Greek word chronos. It means your chronological age. One, two, three, four, 29, 30, 31, so on. But kairos means an appointed time. Kairos means what is God doing in your life right now, regardless of your chronological age. Those are the things we should be paying attention to. Amen. We should not get distracted by our chronological age. Otherwise, I wouldn't be planting a church at age 60. When the Lord called me to plant this church, I was 60 years old. Amen. (laughs) That's the job of a 35-year-old. At least I thought so in my mind. And the Lord said, no, don't pay attention to your chronological age. This is a chaos moment for you, and you need to be obedient. I said, yes, sir. I was a military man. I knew when I was given an order, I had to carry it out. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's use Psalm 91 as a launch point to believe God for a long, successful, and healthy life so that we completely fulfill the call of God on our lives. Amen. 
Here's a couple of motivational slides for you. This guy right here is 100 years old. He won Mr. Universe for the first time in 1952 at the age of 34. He's now over 100 years old and looks like that. I want you to just burn that image in your, in your heart and say to yourself, if that guy can do it, I can do it. Amen. You may not be called to be a bodybuilder, but come on, that's inspirational. Okay, so I haven't forgotten about the women. This lady is 75 years old, and she's a bodybuilder, and she looks like that. Amen, I receive that spirit. Do you receive that spirit? Say, if she can do it, bless God, I can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. She looks awesome, doesn't she? All right. Praise God. Motivational slides just to get you going. Amen. All right, so the last two weeks, we've started by reading Psalm 91 in its entirety and then circling back for a verse-by-verse study. And we're going to do the same thing this morning. Amen. Psalm 91 in the King James Version. Amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. By the way, it's okay to pause and say amen or glory. So let's start it over. And if you want to interject in between the verses, I'm all for it because I'm going to be doing it. I can't hardly read this passage without getting excited. Psalm 91 in the King James Version. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise the Lord. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Amen. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Hallelujah nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. That belongs to me. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Amen. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Hallelujah. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life. Will I satisfy him and show him my salvation? Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We've said it every time. I'm going to say it again. Isn't it wonderful that the Holy Spirit wraps up this psalm with the name Yeshua? That word translated salvation, it's the Hebrew word Yeshua. Amen. So when God gives you a long life, he's demonstrating the blessings of Yeshua, the blessings of Jesus to you. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Moses testifies that God will give the believer who places his faith in him a long and healthy and vibrant life. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that it's all about Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, let's circle back to verse 11 and we'll pick it up where we left off last week. By the way, if you missed session one and session two, you can go back to the podcast and you can listen to the whole thing. I promise it'll bless you. Amen. Verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. I want to run when I read that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what that means. To give charge over you means that angels have been personally assigned to you. So get the gravity of what's being said here. And they've been specifically assigned to keep or guard you in all your ways. Taking your kids to the school, picking your kids up from school, going to the movie theater, driving to Raleigh, getting on a plane and flying to England. They are there to keep you in all your ways in everything you do. They are assigned to you to keep and guard and protect you. That's a glory to God moment right there. Amen. But how many believers really believe and are walking in in that kind of protection to the degree mentioned here? I wonder sometimes what might have happened if just one of the believers that had their heads cut off by ISIS stood up and said something like this. Wait a minute. God's angels have been given charge over me. I don't believe God called me to be a martyr. And if you want my head, you're going to have to get past my angels first. Amen. I wonder if just one of them said something like that, what might have happened. I mean, really, think about it. Do you really believe or you think this is just a fairy tale when it says God has assigned angels personally to you to protect you? You think that's a pipe dream, a wish? A fantasy? No, it's the word of the living God. And you can stand on it and you can depend on it. Well, Brother Scott, I know people that believe Psalm 91 and they died in an accident. Listen, I don't base my belief on God's word on anyone's experience. It's either true or not. I happen to believe, getting back to the subject of martyrs, I know some of you thought about this. I happen to believe that becoming a martyr is a very rare calling. But since so many resign themselves to it when they see it coming, martyrdom happens more often than the Lord desires. I, just think about it. If one guy, like I said before, just stood up and said, no, you're going to have to get by my angels before you can cut my head off. I can just see the angels just sort of sitting there, sort of twiddling their swords and going, wait a minute, what did he say? Hey, hey. He's going to stand on the word. Let's mobilize, boys. We got to go help this guy. That's cool. Don't let them sit on the sidelines. Get your angels in the game. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's right. We're having ham for Christmas, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's two weeks away. Hallelujah. I am not a turkey man. I'm a ham man. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. Verse 12. They, these angels, 
that have been personally assigned to you, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Amen. Hallelujah. I got to read it again because, listen, this is the word of the Lord to you. They, these angels that have been given charge over you, they shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Hallelujah. Now, this scripture is case in point, in my view, because it describes a level of angelic protection that few are walking in. I mean, if you've stubbed your toe recently, like I have, you've been reminded by the Lord that you're not walking in Psalm 91 as perfectly as you could. Because you stubbed your toe against a stone or a piece of furniture or whatever. And you said glory to the Lord instead of something else. Or you prayed in tongues. I was in here, we were moving some furniture and I dropped a piece of furniture on my left big toe. And I'm telling you what, I wanted to say some words, so I did. I prayed in the Holy Ghost out loud. Dan was with me. And that nail eventually, it came off. (laughs) Black and blue, and then one day, it was like a car lid. It just popped off. (laughs) Glory to God. But I got a new one, hallelujah. It reminds me of a new body that's waiting for me in heaven, hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. It's coming in perfect, too. Hallelujah. But speaking of a supernatural level of protection that is available to the believer, I can point to a time when I was made aware of that level of supernatural protection that is available to the believer who stands on the promises of Psalm 91. In October of 1983, Trisha and I had been married for just six months. We were living here in North Carolina, up in Jacksonville, at Marine Corps Air Station, New River. Anyway, we'd been married for just six months when I deployed as a helicopter pilot on the USS Guam as a helicopter carrier. Amen. Cue up the John Wayne slide. Amen. Amen. So back in the day, before I was a full-time preacher, this is what I did, starting in the lower left corner. That's me and my CH-46. I was a helicopter pilot. And then the upper left is me in Beirut on shore party, taking John Wayne photos on top of a building after a battle was just raging. Not the smartest thing in the world that I've ever done. But it's a good picture. Okay. Go to the right there, and that's me in my fighter pilot days. And then the bottom right is me in my bomber pilot days. So I've been blessed to have done a lot of things with the U.S. military, but I've also had opportunity to stand on the promises of Psalm 91 on several occasions. And I'm here today. I'm going to testify to you. I'm here today because of the supernatural hand of God. When I was flying that aircraft in the bottom left corner there, the CH-46, Uh, This is the testimony that I'm referring to. Hallelujah. In October of 83, I'll start it over. Trisha and I had been married for just six months when I deployed as a CH-46 Echo helicopter pilot on the USS Guam. And Trish was young in the Lord, but nevertheless felt compelled in her spirit to pray Psalm 91 over me during this deployment. Long story short, but within one week of my departure, 
our task force was diverted to the tiny island nation of Grenada to repel a Cuban-inspired coup that threatened to destabilize the entire Caribbean region. During that invasion, I was flying a night combat mission, and we were running short of fuel. The Guam was on the other side of the island, and we could not raise them on the radio. We could not find them with our navigation equipment. So we had to find the nearest ship to us that could land a helicopter and give us some gas, and that was the USS Trenton. I thank God for the USS Trenton. We found them 50 miles out off the island, and it was the only ship in range, and we almost ran out of gas getting to the Trenton. But we found the Trenton. We landed uneventfully and topped off our tanks. While we were refueling on the small two-spot deck, I noticed that my co-pilot kept looking up into the forward rotor arc. He kept going like this. He'd look up, look down, look up, look down. He did it four or five times. I thought it odd, but it didn't say anything at the time. Now, we got clearance to take off, and I told my co-pilot he could have the takeoff. It was pitch black. We were out in the middle of the ocean, <laughs> and we were well out to sea, and the flying was extremely challenging. You have to fly your instruments because if you look out your windscreen, all you see is black. You cannot see where the sky ends and the water begins. It's like flying in space, only probably a lot more uncomfortable because you're closer to the ground than you are when you're in space. Hallelujah. So after lifting into a hover, my co-pilot flew us over the deck edge, and suddenly he was seized with an attack of vertigo. Vertigo is where your, your senses, your inner ear, send signals that are different than what's actually happening in the real world. In other words, you could be perfectly straight and level, but your ears are telling you you're, you know, 20-degree bank, or even I've had it where I felt upside down. And the temptation is to fly the aircraft according to what you feel, not what your instruments tell you. It is extremely debilitating. Anyway, so my co-pilot pulls into a hover, moves off the deck edge. We're just 70 feet from the water. And immediately he sees with vertigo, and the aircraft goes out of control, plunging towards the Caribbean Ocean in the middle of the night. Only have seconds to do something, or we're going to impact the water. So I told my co-pilot, I said, I got the aircraft. I grabbed the controls, and then all of a sudden I also was seized with an attack of vertigo. At that point, I just cried out to Jesus on the inside. I just said, Jesus, save us. That's all that came out of me. And I want to tell you, something happened that night. Something happened that night. It was like I felt a cloak come over me. And then I began to make control inputs that made no sense at all. I, I, I just, I moved the cyclic, I moved the power, I did the pedals, and it was if, as if somebody took me over and began to fly the aircraft through me independent of my thought processes. It was a very strange feeling. But within seconds, we were gaining altitude and airspeed and pulling away from the ocean flying out to safety. Then the vertigo uh, ceased, 
and I was able to fly under my own power. You know what I mean by that, right? I was flying under the power of the Holy Ghost up into that point. And we nearly lost our lives that night. It was me, my co-pilot, and two crew members, our gunners. Anyway, we flew back to the Guam and landed, hardly saying a word to one another except for reading our checklists and doing what we needed to do to shut the aircraft down. We were roommates, and so after we bedded down the aircraft, we walked down to our staterooms and crashed on our bunk beds. He had a bunk below me. After we settled down a bit, he told me that he saw something on the deck of the Trenton and wanted to share it with me. Now, he was not a Christian. But this is what he said. As we were refueling, Scotty, that's what he called me. As we were refueling, I looked up into the rotor arc and I saw a giant white hand hovering just a few feet above the rotors. He said it was sort of just gently stroking fingers, fluctuating. It was just hovering there. He said it just had a gentle look about it. He said, I thought it might be the reflection of the ship superstructure, the lighting. So I looked back down and looked back up. And every time I did, it was still there. I did it five times. It was there every time. Then he said, Scotty, I know you're a Christian. I knew you'd believe me. So what do you think it was that I saw? I replied, I believe it was the hand of God. And he was there to protect us from what was about to happen. He knew we'd both get vertigo and lose control of the aircraft. So he helped us fly out of danger. And we're alive tonight as a result. Now, I've had many years to reflect on that amazing night. And I'm confident that there were angels involved in our rescue that literally bore our aircraft up in their hands to help me fly us to safety. I know that I know that they were there. That's why this scripture means a lot to me. All right, I saw this portrait today. Actually, yesterday, I saw this portrait, and I thought it was a perfect picture of what happened to us that night. It's Jesus. He's reaching down because Peter has sunk into the depths, and he's reaching down to pull him up. And that's exactly what God did for me that night. He reached down with his hand, and he pulled me out of danger and saved my life so that I could come and be your pastor. Amen? Think about that. None of this, as humble and small beginnings that this represents, none of this would have happened if it hadn't been for the hand of God that night in October of 1983. If it had not been for the prayers of my wife, who stood on Psalm 91, she barely knew what the Psalms were. And she just felt like, I need to pray for my husband. I need to stand on this. I mean, we were told it was going to be a, a fun cruise. We were literally going to the Mediterranean, and we were going to go from port to port, two weeks in port, places like Barcelona, Haifa, Israel, Alexandria. You know, we were just going to go around the Med, basically there as sort of on call in case something happened in the world. Well... It didn't work out that way, and God knew it, and he told her it wasn't going to be that way, and it was one of the most dangerous cruises I've ever been on in my life. That's just one of the times that the Lord saved me from certain death. Amen. And I give him all the glory and all the praise, and I get teared up when I think about it because he's so good, 
He saved me. He flew my helicopter for me. He flew me out of danger. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't leave my wife a widow after six months of marriage. Praise God. Hallelujah. None of my daughters would be alive today. My grandkids would not be in here today if it hadn't been for the hand of God that night. Hallelujah. So this kind of supernatural protection is available to the believer who will stand on the promises of Psalm 91 anytime, anywhere, regardless of the circumstances. 20 years later, I was talking with my co-pilot on the phone. Every year in October, we would call each other, and the conversation would begin with, remember that night? Oh, yeah. Do you remember the hand of the Lord? He saved us. Yes. Most of the time, he avoided the topic because, after all, he wasn't a Christian. But after 20 years of those every October phone calls, one night he called me up and he said, Hey, hey Scotty, so, so my sister in California, she, she got saved. And uh, I think I need to be saved but I don't know how to be saved. Can you help me? So I led him to the Lord over the phone. Now he is a retired airline captain for Northwest Airlines, and he goes out and he preaches on the streets, and he gets people saved. None of those people that got saved in Minneapolis through his ministry would be born again today if it hadn't been for the hand of God that night. In October of 1983, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Listen, first of all, if you encounter a lion or a poisonous snake in the wild, you have dominion over those animals. And I don't want to minimize that. But I believe the point here is a a it's a point that this concerns the supernatural realm, the demonic kingdom. Lions, dragons and adders or snakes are all metaphors for the devil and his demons. And here we are reminded that such things are under our feet and under our complete dominion. Amen. We shall tread on them and we shall trample on them and they have no right to come against you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Listen, because you love God, he says he'll deliver you. All you got to do is love him. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that right? The Bible says that when we love him, he'll deliver us because we love him. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Because you know his name, he says he will set you on high. That's another thing altogether. I submit to you that you have to know the names of God that specifically apply to healing and protection in this case, i.e. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, and Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Rapha, he is the Lord my healer. Jehovah Nisi, he is the Lord my victory. 
And Jehovah Shalom, he is the Lord, my peace. And it means a whole lot more than peace of mind. Nothing is missing and nothing is broken. I am completely whole and preserved from physical harm in Jesus name. Because I know the names of God. Hallelujah. That's only three of the seven redemptive names of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Listen, if you call on him, he will answer and he will be there with you. If you're in trouble, amen, he'll see you through it. Glory to God. He's a faithful God. And then verse 16, I'm going to say it again with long life. Will I satisfy him? I sound like one of those opera singers, right? (laughs) Except not on key. (laughs) With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I'll show him my Jesus. Amen. At the end of your life, after you've lived a long, healthy, vibrant life, you've completed your mission, you've run your race, you're going to see Jesus. It had been demonstrated by the life and the vitality that he gave you so that you could complete your calling in this life. And at the end of life, you're going to realize it was all about Jesus and what he did through me and in me. Amen. Whoo! glory to God. Preaching myself happy here. Hallelujah. Well, sad to say that concludes our study of Psalm 91. I hope it has blessed you as much as it has blessed me. So let's use the truths we've learned to believe God for long, strong, and healthy lives so that we make the most of our time here on planet Earth, amen, and maximize our impact on a lost and dying world. Let me leave you with an awesome scripture that captures the spirit or the attitude of faith that I hope you have caught throughout our series here on Psalm 91. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18 in the Amplified Classic. This is an awesome scripture. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared your wondrous works. Listen to this. Yes, even when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, but keep me alive until I have declared your mighty strength to this generation and your might and power to all that are to come. Amen. I receive that promise in my life. I'm going to leave behind a legacy of faith that not only touches those that were alive when I was, but those that haven't even been born yet will be touched by my legacy of faith through my children and my children's children and my children's children's children. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Stick that in your peace pipe and smoke it. Metaphorically speaking. Amen. Amen. Yes, it's a metaphor, my wife said, for meditating on and chewing on the word of God. Amen. Smoking on a shalom pipe. Now, that might be a different thing altogether. That sounds more religious. So let's say that. Let's just end with that. (laughs) We're not religious. 
we just love the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed the conclusion of today's message titled, What if Psalm 91 was really true? If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.